Jesus, you're already here doing things. We've had a, a full morning already. Just taking a little intermission. As we jump back in, we want to make sure to prioritize a few minutes in your word, looking at the stories of some people that walked and lived closely with you, that carried your heartbeat out into the world, and how their stories intersect with our story. As we look at this text, speak to us, show us where we find ourselves in it, where we find you in it, and once again, don't give us what we want, but give us what we need. Amen. The last few weeks, for those of you that haven't been here, for those of you that have, just tune me out. For those of you that haven't, catch up to bring you up to speed real quick. We've been talking about the power of living in the moment and what's so hard about life when we're preoccupied. Preoccupied, remember, meaning to be occupied beforehand and how often we get pulled out of the moment and we have this gift that God has given us, which is our life and our energy and, and all that we are, but it gets pulled into the future by worry and fear and preoccupation. And so we talked about the power of presence and, and paying attention. There were a lot of P's in that sentence. And then we talked about another P, playfulness, and how we often use this really heavy Christian word, surrender, to talk about letting go of expectations, but how another way to look at that is just coming to life with a playful attitude and not taking things so seriously. You remember that. And then last week we had a conversation about faith and faithfulness. And I wanted to show you a passage of scripture where we see all these three themes come together, but I'm not going to tell you at the outset how they come together. I want you to look for it. And we're going to add a few layers to it, but that's where our conversation is going, is what has God been saying to us and how have we been more fully present now than three weeks ago? How have we been more playful now than two weeks ago? And have we tapped into the faith that Jesus offers us more now than a week ago? So we're going to look at a story in Acts chapter 3. It's up there on the screen for you. It says, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple. Here's what we'll do. We'll read through the whole thing and then we'll go back and we'll, but I want you to be listening. Look for presence, paying attention, playfulness, and faith and faithfulness. That's your job right now. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And a man, lame from birth, was being carried in. People would lay him daily at the gate of the temple, called the Beautiful Gate, so that he could ask for alms from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked them for alms. Peter looked intently at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Jumping up, he stood and began to walk, and he entered the temple with him, walking and leaping and praising God. All of the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized him 
as the one who used to sit and ask for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's portico, utterly astonished. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, You Israelites, why do you wonder at this? Why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we had made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our ancestors, has glorified his servant Jesus, whom you handed over and rejected in the presence of Pilate, though he had decided to release him. But you rejected the holy and righteous one and asked to have a murderer given to you, and in great irony, you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses, and by faith in his name, His name itself has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given him this perfect health in the presence of all of you. Pretty amazing story, isn't it? A young man that has never known what it's like. He's seen people all around him walking and leaping and Praising God, he can hear it inside the temple, he knows what's going on, but he has never experienced that himself. Let's go back to the very beginning. I'm sure you guys caught those pieces in there. Paying attention, playfulness, and faith, those ingredients in it. A couple questions that, that stick out to me as we talk through this, and then we'll respond. So it says that as Peter and John were going to the temple at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, this man was being carried in. So obviously this man is not able to walk, but he has community, family around him, that somebody can bring him there. And he's able to come daily to the temple. It makes you wonder how many times he came to the temple before he had this encounter. Because we can hone in on the story, right? We can zero in on this miracle. But to him, how many days did he come with great expectation and go away with maybe nothing? How often do we feel like that? We come constantly, but we don't get what we want. When you come here on a Sunday morning, what are your expectations? What are you looking for? What are you waiting for? It says that so that he could ask for alms from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, so Peter and John obviously are in this posture of prayer. They're going into a time of worship. But if you notice, they're not waiting for worship and prayer to begin before they get in. They're in this state of paying attention to what God is doing. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asks them for alms. And can I tell you something embarrassing? I had to look up what alms meant. Now, I could guess that it means something to do with money. Guess what? I was right. It just means money or food or something given to the poor. I was like, okay, good. I I thought so, but that'd be embarrassing if I assumed that and was wrong. He's asking them for alms. And I find this interesting. It says, Peter looked intently at him, and it's almost as if Peter is kind of sizing up what's going on inside and around him, isn't it? Peter's like, wait a minute. There's something more going on here. Holy Spirit, what is it? Might have even felt a little awkward. 
You get, like when somebody's staring at you intently, you can feel it even if you aren't looking, huh? You're like, uh, what's that? I'm just kidding. I know why I picked on you, but it's just awkward to be stared at intently, no matter what the occasion. But Peter is just staring at this guy. But then Peter says something interesting. He says, look at us. Obviously, this man was what? Not looking at them. So it's almost as if it's this half-hearted attempt to get their attention, like he doesn't really expect anything. Peter says, hey, why are you looking at the ground? Now, we don't know why this man is not looking at them. It might have been shame. You can imagine that there's some shame equated in this man's situation. It might have been honor. It might have been him wanting to honor Peter and John because maybe he knew who they were. I don't know. And you could honestly say that honor and shame are kind of the flip side of the same coin, aren't they? They... Yeah, we won't unpack that right now, but for some reason, this man is not looking at them. His shame, potentially, is holding him back from being engaged fully by Peter and John, and Peter says, look at, look me in the eyes, because you're not going to let your shame hold you back from what God has for you. Look me in the eyes. Have you ever found yourself shaking someone's hand, and you're looking at the ground? You're like, wait a minute, why did I look me in the eyes? Or maybe you come into a building like this, into a building function as a church, and outside maybe you feel like super free and, and just full of life, but then you come into these doors and you're like, why do I just feel different? And it's hard for you to look people in the eyes or hard, just, you feel different. And Peter's saying, hey, don't hold yourself back from me. Look at me. Don't sit in that shame. And so the man finally fixes his attention on them. And it does. He says now he's expecting to receive something from them. Because maybe before he wasn't. But what's he expecting? Some money or some food. But Peter said, and I love this. This is such a crucial thing. Peter says, hey, I don't have silver or gold. But what I do have, I give you. You ever feel like people come to you with expectations that you can't meet? They're coming to you for something that you just don't have to give them? And Peter says, hey, you want this from me? I'm sorry, I don't have the goods. That's not what I bring to this equation. But if you want what I do bring, here's what it is. Peter was deeply aware of his identity and his resources. And he gave out of that instead of trying to meet this man in his expectations. If Peter would have just met this man in his own expectations, would we have this story today? <laughs> Gotta love it. Peter says, that's not what I have for you. This is what I have. Do you want what you think you want? Because I want to give you what you need. And Peter takes him by the hand and raised him up. You can almost sense the strength out of Peter's identity passing on to this young man. Isn't that a picture of community? Peter says, look it. Don't sit in your shame. Look me in the eye. Engage me with who you are. And Peter reaches out his hand, and through Peter's strength, 
this man finds wholeness. Have any of you experienced that here? Through someone or with someone? That someone in community has almost summoned you out of your shame and offered their strength to you and do you find yourself at a new level of wholeness? That's what community is. Isn't that what God is in the business of doing? That's why we come here. To offer our strength to one another and to summon one another out of our shame and our situations. And it says immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. He had never experienced that before, had he? He had no idea what that even would mean, to have his legs and ankles made strong. His feet and ankles made strong. And it says he jumps up and he begins to walk and he enters the temple with them before he was not, most scholars believe, he was not able to go into the temple because he was lame. He wouldn't be able to go into the inner courts. And all of a sudden he finds himself able to follow them into the temple for the first time because Peter offered his strength to to him. And he begins walking and leaping and praising God. Isn't it true, have you found that wholeness often leads to playfulness? Have you found that? That as God makes you more whole, you hold things more lightly? Life is less serious? You're less concerned with outcomes because you just know what you bring and what you don't bring? And it says that as he's made whole, he begins leaping and praising God. It also makes me wonder if If wholeness leads to playfulness, can playfulness also lead to wholeness? I guess we'll get to find out together, won't we? All the people saw him walking and praising God. So this dude is making a big deal out of this. He's not just like, he's like running around, like I picture him like frolicking in some meadow with people on every eye is on him now. Yeah, you know what frolicking is like, don't you, big guy? Nathan can't stand the attention of other people. It says, all the people saw him, and they recognized him as the one who used to sit and ask for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. That word wonder is interesting, isn't it? You guys, we know, we call miracles signs and wonders. Well, because it, what? Points to something greater and makes you wonder, what else is going on here? That's what signs and wonders are. They aren't the point. They point to the point. I hadn't rehearsed that, but that made sense. I was like, huh, wow. But they do. They point to the point. They make you wonder, what is going on here? And Peter says, well, let me tell you what's going on here. We aren't going to go in depth into all of this. We're, we're going to land on the end, and then I want to read something to you from C.S. Lewis. But While he clung to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the portico, called Solomon's Portico, utterly astonished. It makes me curious why he was clinging to them if he already learned how to walk. Is it possible that maybe he was kind of trying to figure out actually how it worked? Or have you ever been profoundly impacted by somebody's life and you find yourself wanting to cling to them? And you have to find that point where it's no longer healthy to cling, but it's time to let go. 
Do you have anyone in your life like that? Maybe you have people that cling to you or maybe you're clinging to somebody and you're, you're trying to find that sweet spot. Is it time to let go yet? This man was clinging to them and we don't know if it was a good thing or a bad thing. He just was. When Peter saw it, he addressed the people and you can read Peter's words, but he says, you Israelites, why do you wonder at this and why do you stare at us as though by our own power... Or piety, we had made him walk, which was a common belief that these miracle, these heal, you know, miracle workers, it was because of their righteousness. And he says, no, it's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus that made this happen. It's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our ancestors, who has glorified Jesus, whom you handed over and rejected in the presence of Pilate, though he had decided to release him. But you rejected the holy and righteous one and asked to have a murderer given to you. And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And here we have our faith. And by faith in his name, which has nothing to do with the word Jesus Christ, it means authority and relationship and being. It's not like you tag on, in Jesus' name we pray, which was what I thought growing up, right? If we, whatever you pray, just say in Jesus' name and, and it'll work out. In the authority and out of the relationship of Jesus with the Father, This man has been made strong. The faith that is through Jesus has given him this perfect health in the presence of all of you. Have you taken some time over the last week? Maybe you found yourself challenged by a situation. Have you asked Jesus to share some of his faith with you? Say, Jesus, will you fill in the gaps for me? Because I know you trust your Father. You know that some people could summarize the Christian walk in that way? That the Christian walk is learning to live out of the faith of Jesus and the Father instead of your own? That it's learning to live out of and abide in Jesus' relationship with the Father instead of trying to fabricate that on our own? Let me share with you quickly the whole point for me or the main point of this for me and then we'll we'll hear from a few people about over the last few weeks what you've seen, but... I shared with you that this man came with an expectation. He would either be fed or he would receive money. And God did not meet him in his expectation. God said, I refuse to meet you in your expectation. I'm going to blow your expectation out of the water. You want me to meet you here, but you have no idea what I really have for you. And it makes me think of this quote by C.S. Lewis, and we'll end with this and hear from you, but this is a little convicting for me. This is from the book, The Weight of Glory. C.S. Lewis says, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. Peter and John saw this man asking for money and for food, and he said, Hey, your sights are set too low. Money and food is great. But I want to make you whole. You're far too easily pleased. 
And I guess through the story, God's been challenging me. So what are you settling for and asking of me? And is it possible that I have more for you than you think to ask? Am I being too easily pleased? But when I find myself living in the moment, I find that I encounter a richness there that's not there when I'm preoccupied and pulled away. When I find myself living out of playfulness and holding loosely my expectations, God exceeds them. It often doesn't look like what I want, but it always looks like what I need. Maybe not in the moment, but it comes around. So let me ask you. Let's hear from a couple people. What, what do you see in this story? What? That little boy is so fast. What do you see in the story? What's, what's God saying to you through it? How has it landed? Or, you know, our, our themes over the last couple weeks, how have they landed if they have in your life? Yeah, Larry. Jesus, thank you that as we follow you, we have simultaneously desires fulfilled and dreams awakened. Help us to live in that. Help us to embrace that. Help us to sit in what you have for us and also know that there's always more. And help us to come to you with expectation only that you know us better than we know ourselves. And I pray for my brothers and sisters here that are in that place where they know that there's more, but they want to be content with where they're at. Meet them in that. Give them the grace for the moment. And help them to, yeah, just, I'm reminded of that quote we shared last week. That Help us to be faithful, just like this young man showing up at the temple every day and finally something that blew his mind came to be, and that faithfulness is the new radical. Just the ability to show up day by day. That that's where it's at, and that's where you meet us. Yeah, Jesus, awaken dreams. It helps us delight in what's right in front of us at the same time. Amen. Hey, like I said, if you want prayer from someone then, and you aren't sure who that might be, then come chat with me and I'll try to connect you with someone. Next week, I'm not teaching. It's Mother's Day. We have a special guest teacher. And let's just say that she's great. You got to come on Sunday to find out. You guys trying to figure it out? You're all looking around like, hey, is it you? Is it you? Is it you? Is it you? You know? There's a few options. 